everyone, and welcome back to Ginger Gerald, you lucky bastard. And quite frankly, I do feel very much like a lucky bastard this week, as I've not been attacked, let alone murdered, as feared, following my categorization of the infamous, infamous Mallorcan Ensaimada as a, wait for it, rather disappointing local speciality last week. Now, if you've not yet listened to the latest episode, Bon Appetit, and I strongly urge you to do so. Especially if you're GG here, you like a bit of food, a bit of fun and a bit of banter. It'll be 25 minutes of your life very well invested and it will give you a game and introduce you to a formula that could just change your dining experiences forever. Anyway, no more spoilers. This isn't Happy Valley after all, but enjoy it, okay? Now, whether my life was really endangered or not, I'm not so sure. I hope not. But it is true that I'm currently broadcasting from a secret location. Like a pirate radio station all those years ago. Remember them? They were the only ones who got away with playing songs like, you know, band songs like the Sex Pistols version of God Save the Queen. So let me give you two clues as to where I am. Okay? Firstly. I've already had a couple of cheesy oat cakes, and they were absolutely fabulous. You haven't got it already? Here comes the second clue. I've said, hey up, duck, to everyone I've walked past in the street. Hey up, duck, you got it yet? Yes, you have. I'm in my home and birth town of Newcastle-under-Lyme, North Staffordshire. Now, in series two, I did an entire episode about home. It's called Home is Where the Heart Is. In fact, questions is home where the heart is, and I found myself doing exactly the things I talked about on that pod. You know, visiting the places you used to go to, a bunch of moons, all that memory lane stuff that you know I love so much. Anyway, I'm not going to repeat that episode today, but some of today's theme does take me back to my childhood. Again, today we're going to talk about pen friends, exchange visits, and school trips. I'm a grouping them all together. Now, for many people, certainly people of a certain age, one or maybe all three of these things were the very first experiences you had, or we had, with or in a foreign country or with foreign people. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of the word foreign, to be honest. I don't really like being called a foreigner when I am one, and I never call anybody else a foreigner. It's one of those words that seems to have got a negative vibe to it, like it's offensive, when it shouldn't really be offensive. In French, the word for foreigner also means stranger, so that makes it even worse. Mind you, I've been called a lot worse than a foreigner in my time, so I guess I shouldn't be too worried. Let's kick off with pen friends. Now, that's a really old-fashioned concept, isn't it? And by its very definition, it comes from the pre-internet days when writing lists shoving a stamp on them and hoping that they'd eventually turn up in some foreign land was the norm. Well, you could phone someone on their home phone number, of course, but that cost a fortune. For those who don't really know what a pen friend is or was, it tended to be a strategy by language teachers to try to get kids engaged and for them to begin to understand the importance and even the benefits of communicating in a foreign language. You'd be assigned a random person from somewhere or other where they'd be doing exactly the same process but in reverse. You'd be given their name, you'd be given their home address. Remember, this was also pre-GDPR days, of course, folks. And off you went. 
You'd write your letter and you'd ask generic questions like, how old are you? What do you like doing? What music do you like? All that sort of stuff written in your very best handwriting and in whatever language you were learning. And whatever they took. The idea was that you wrote in their language and they wrote in yours. That was the whole point of it. Now, it's really simple. Nowadays, you don't need paper or an envelope or a stamp. You just need a phone. And off you go via, well, whatever means you like. As soon as you find someone to chat to, which isn't too much of an issue on the World Wide Web, and you can correct or even automate the translation of what you want to say anyway nowadays. Anyway, sometimes after a letter or two, you might get a bit bored or just wouldn't be asked continuing with it. So you just move on and that was the end of that. But sometimes these pen friends can become real friends over time. Now, my mum has had the same pen friend for over 75 years. 75 years, that's absolutely amazing. They still communicate with a little bit of help, it has to be said. Mum's messages are usually written and sent by one of us these days. They're written in our very French email more than by traditional post. And her Belgian friend's super long responses come back a few weeks later. 75 years of friendship. And that relationship has led to a whole range of exchange visits over the years. So as a result of my mum's childhood pen friend, quite a few of my brothers and myself were sent on exchange visits. The Belgian pen friend would ask around amongst her friends to see who had kids of her age and then they'd set it up between them. The very first time I went overseas, and this is why it's so significant for me now with my 25 years plus living overseas, the very first time I went overseas was as a teenager to Belgium on one of these exchanges thanks to my mum's pen friend. And I absolutely love it. I travelled with my brother, train to London, bus to Dover, ferry to Calais, then a bus that seemed to take forever to Brussels when we got where we got met. You might remember in one of the other pods I talked about this and uh, I lost my passport on the way home, which was very clever of me. Anyway, when we finally got to Brussels, my brother was whisked away by his allocated family and I was shipped off to mine. Now, I can't remember it perfectly. It was a long time ago, but certain things still really stick clearly in the mind to this day. For example, when we arrived, we had like a welcome dinner, I guess, waiting for us. I was really knackered. And we had a stew of sorts that had grapes cooked in it. Now, that was a bit of a first for me, and it seemed really weird at the time. But what a strange thing to remember. And drinking beer that tasted of cherries. And just drinking beer and not having to hide it from the adults, which was a bit odd for me as well, but it was great. But one of my friend's mates, the pen friend's blah-de-blah, -blah, where I was staying, one of his mates... He lived in a converted windmill that was just amazing. Anyway, there were so many of us in our family. It meant that when it came to a return visit for all of these people we stayed at, all of the Belgians came over to us one by one and had the pleasure of living with all 10 of us for a week or two in Stoke. Now, I'm not sure exactly what they made of it. It'd be great to find them and ask them now. But I reckon they'd have thought it was a bit of a matter. And I reckon we got the better part of the deal, to be honest. Our end, so the bid instant, was a little more, hmm, how shall I say this? It was a bit more disciplined and ordered than maybe they were used to. Now, one lad who came over was called Bruno, and he was into punk. He had his head completely shaved, his nose was pierced, he had a bunch of tattoos in the days when not too many people had them. And 
I don't think he ever took his big red Doc Martens off in the entire week he stayed with us. My dad didn't really know what to make of him, but he was a nice guy. And another one who came along, who was about seven foot tall, he brought his guitar with him. That's about all he brought. And he liked nothing more than strumming away while smoking and flicking his cigarette butts out of the bedroom window. Funny the things you remember, isn't it? Now, most exchanges didn't work that way. Most exchanges, foreign exchanges, were set up by schools. So not by friends dating back to the 1940s. And I was always really disappointed. I never got to go on any of those. When a bunch of my schoolmates went and they seemed to have an absolute, well, seemed to have just a party. Stoke was twinned with a place called Limoges in France, which is another pottery town. So that's where they normally went. They seemed to have an absolute bore when they were there. At some point, schools stopped doing their own exchanges. I think probably something to do with liability. I think when things gone on, suddenly the school was responsible for that, which I hadn't been before. And companies started appearing who took control of everything for school. So foreign exchange packages suddenly became quite big business. And these companies were always advertising for host families to have one or two kids for a week or two in the summer. And you got paid for having them. Now, I don't know how many of you know Brian, but it's a great place for young people to visit in the summer. It's got a great, if pebbled, beach. It's quickly, it's, it's quirky, but it's also quite traditional. It's got tons of stuff to do for any age group. And it's really liberal with dozens of festivals and parades and things going on all year round. So it's an absolute fantastic choice for exchange companies to bring their foreign students over to the UK. So we decided that it would be a really nice thing and we could earn a little bit of money out of it as well. So we signed up to have two students sharing one room in our house one summer when we were living just outside Brighton. We got everything ready. We painted the walls, the beds were new, the carpet was new, it was perfect. The girls at home, our daughters, they were teenagers at the time and they were super excited because we were told we were going to get two Italian boys. We knew their ages and they were about the same age, but we only had their name. They were hoping, of course, for a couple of young, fit Italian models who could they could hang out with a bit in the summer. Well, let's just say it didn't quite work out that way. I went off to pick them up one evening when they just arrived and I sent a very short and very politically incorrect message back home about them. A message I can't possibly share with you, but we still laugh about it today. Let's just say that the girls were a little disappointed. Both of the guys looked like they were in their mid-twenties. One was hugely tall and really skinny, and the other, well, not so tall and maybe not so skinny, to be honest. And although we felt we'd fed them really well the whole time they were with us, we are constantly finding McDonald's wrappers and empty beer cans under their beds. Oh, and I don't think either of them muttered a single word of English the whole time they were with us. So... Ten friends and student exchange trips were two of the ways that many of us were first introduced to other languages and to other nationalities. But another way was on school trips. Now, I know school trips, even if it's just down the road, whatever it might be, they're not for everyone. Not everyone's up for them. But I absolutely loved a school trip. I didn't really care where we were going. It could have been to Hawaii, it could have been to the pie factory down the road. It was just an excuse to get out of the classroom and have a good laugh with my mates. And that was good enough for me. 
an afternoon at the park or in a local museum, or even better, of course, a few days away camping. It always gave rise to opportunities for amusement, mischief and adventures, and I was always up for a bit of that. And if there had to be a bit of learning thrown in, then that was okay too. Sometimes most of the learning we did was how to piss about and not get caught for good. The best ones for me were the few days and nights away, camping or in a refuge or something like that. There was something about staying out overnight with your mates, wasn't there, that made it much more fun and much more exciting, a bit edgy. There was more you could do and get away with and you'd come home filthy and completely knackered for days. They were the absolute best. I'm pretty sure my kids felt the same as well. Years later, they loved an away trip, especially if it involved staying out overnight. Now, with the pen friend and exchange stuff going on when I was a kid, I never got to go on many school trips and definitely never school trip overseas. So I was really jealous of all the kids that went on them, even more so if the trip was skiing. I'd have absolutely loved to have done that. And I'm sure it would have been fabulous, but they're always super expensive and no end of nagging my parents managed to change their mind. However, I did get a bit of a taste of the other sides of things, arranging the school trip and going on it, but as a teacher. So let me tell you a little story before we finish today's episode. I'd just graduated from university. I had no money and I needed to get a job quickly. Now that's not too uncommon now, is it? That's millions of people every single year. Anyway, I was looking in the paper and I spotted a job advertised at a boarding school and they wanted a French and PE teacher and it specifically said that they'd accept a graduate who wasn't yet a trained teacher. Perfect, I thought. Absolutely perfect for me. My degree was in French and PE so surely I'd qualify on those grounds and I absolutely loved the idea of free accommodation and free food. Ideal for my scenario, I reckon. The fact that I'd never even seen a boarding school before, or even been to Devon before, come to that, that didn't seem to matter. Anyway, something obviously clicked during the interview process, and they seemed to like me, and so I got offered the job to start immediately in September, which was about a month away. So I had to very quickly pass my driving test and get a car, because this school, no matter how beautiful it was, and the local area, by the way, North Devon, absolutely stunning, but it was literally in the middle of nowhere. Now, the French department, there were three of us. There was the head of modern, modern languages, who was within a year or two of retiring, and the other guy, I think, was his dad. <laughs> now, that's a little bit naughty, Ginger Gerald, but what is true is that the number two in the team, who was hard enough to understand in English, yet let alone in French, he was way, way beyond retirement age, but they were desperate to have somebody in there. So when I turned up as their number three, I was an absolute breath of fresh air for them. Now, I remember I was at least 100 years younger than their combined age, and I had exactly zero secondary school teaching experience. And as for training, well, I had none of that either. So why the hell did they offer me a job? What was going through their mind? Well, I'll tell you, and it didn't take too long to work it out. It was all about the annual school trip to France. Someone from the French department had to take it each year. It was a tradition, and this school 
Believe me, like to tradition. And the old boy and his dad, well, they were damned if they were going to have to do it themselves again. So Ginger Gerald here was brought in to do just that, to organise and take the annual school trip to France. Well, they were indeed lucky bastards because not only did I know that I'd be better at that sort of thing than I was at classroom teaching, I also absolutely loved doing that sort of thing. It was right up my alley and an absolute win-win situation. Now, bear in mind, nowadays, 2023, I've now been working in the travel industry for more than 30 years, but organising this school trip to France was my first ever introduction to tour operating. Now, I'm not going to bore you with all the details of that trip. I, which all accounts was the most enjoyable the school had ever had to France, but here are the highlights so you can just get a feel for it. And not all of them would necessarily be acceptable or allowed anymore. So without making any profit at all, I budgeted the whole trip and it cost 60 quid a student. Everything included, the birth of all-inclusive, right there, folks. Ten lads, it was a boys' boarding school, so ten lads came on the trip, and they were all around 15 or 16, plus me. And I was age 22, and I reckon I was looking about 15 or 16, so that meant there were 11 lads on the trip. Anyway, the theme of the trip was camping, cycling, eating local food and visiting local places of interest, so not very complicated the entire itinerary pre-planned scientifically from the moment we got off the ferry at St Marlow and walked into the bike hire shop. Now, cycling and cycling tourism is a big thing these days, but not so much back then. Our bikes were more of the sit-up-and-beg type. You know what I mean? So there was no talk of carbon cassettes and disc brakes. Ours were three-speed specials, and I think the most technical thing about them was the seats could be going, could be moved up or down. Oh, and most of the brakes didn't work, but don't worry, we were very well prepared. Between us all, we had one pair of pliers. That did the trick. Anyway, we duly followed the plan I'd laid out each day, and it was going unbelievably smoothly, even though I say so myself. Only a few of them had got lost for a bet and or returned pissed back to the tents a bit late at night, and there'd only been the odd scrap between themselves. So I'd say... Pretty good. Even the weather had been good. We were all getting more and more tired from all of the cycling we were doing and the tiny amount of sleep we were getting in the shite little tents we'd hired. Anyway, our last full day there was to be the most fun and the most challenging. I'd purposefully arranged it so the trip had come to a wonderful crescendo and would be the highlight so they'd all remember and tell their mums and dads about it. So the plan for the day was to complete a 108-kilometre round trip, a ride to the beautiful Mont Saint-Michel. Those who've been there, you know what I'm talking about. We were going to then enjoy a hearty lunch of the local speciality crepes on a gorgeous terrace and then return to base time camp, knackered just as it was getting dark, and it was going to be a fabulous day. Well, we woke up that morning to torrential rain and really strong winds. Oh shit, I thought. And for some reason, I had no plan B. So on the basis that, oh, it's just a shower, guys, it'll pass over soon. The 11 of us 
totally sodden, got on our crap and soaking bikes, and we headed out of camp without saying a word to each other. Suddenly, it wasn't going so well. Two punches early on, everyone is at everyone else's throat. I could feel mutiny absolutely in the air. I'm surprised they didn't turn around and just go back, refuse to continue. But suddenly, as if by magic, something happened which just turned everyone's mood around. And if I could find and talk to the kids, the 10 kids who went on this trip, and bear in mind, they'll be about 50 years old now, but I know exactly the one thing they'll remember from this trip. So one of the lads, he was Kenyan, and he was the fittest of the group by an absolute mile. And he was always positive and had a huge warm smile on his face at all times. This morning, like all of us, he was right at the front of the pack. And he was turning to encourage the rest to keep up with them. And as he turned, he skidded on his bike in a puddle. He went absolutely flying and he ended up literally up to his neck in rainwater in a ditch at the side of the road. And you know his first words? He looked at me and he said, Sorry, sir. Anyway, it was an absolute classic comedy moment. Maybe you had to be there. And one that kept us going all day. And to be honest, for all this time, the 35 years ever since. So, was your first introduction to the world overseas thanks to a pen friend or an exchange visit or maybe a school trip like mine? I sort of hope it was because it may, like me, have inspired you to travel more and more and even, dare I say it, end up settling somewhere you didn't even know existed back then. So, folks, Share your early experiences on all the normal channels. You know what they are. I want stories and I want old pictures, please. And I'll see if I can find a school trip report to see if my recollection is even close to actually what went on. There we are, guys. Hope you've enjoyed it today. A little bit anecdotal. Have a fantastic week. And I look forward to speaking to you all soon. Take care. Bye. Thank, Thank you, Ginger, Ginger Gerald, for enriching our lives. lives.